Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Last First Date Radio, featuring interviews with experts in dating, relating, and mating in midlife. And now, here's your host, Sandy Weiner. Hello and welcome. So glad you're here today. This is your host, Sandy Weiner. I am the confidence, communication, and love coach for women over 40, and every Tuesday I interview top experts and cutting-edge authors who teach you how to attract and sustain healthy relationships, especially in midlife. And today I am excited to be speaking with Master Peak Performance Coach Kevin Austin about how to create stronger, longer-lasting, more successful relationships, and who doesn't want that? So um, we're going to bring Kevin on in just a moment, but um, you know, I just just wanted to say something about coaching and why it's important to do this work. Um, you know, most of us grow up in homes that don't model for us how to have healthy, longer-lasting relationships, and we have very little concept about how much that impacts the relationships that we have in our romantic lives and even in our friendships and our work relationships, we are impacted by so much of our past. And if we don't undo that and heal it, we're going to keep repeating the same mistakes over and over and over again. And I just spoke to a potential client today about kind of connecting the dots between her very dysfunctional childhood and the choices that she made both in her love life and in her work life. And you know, one of the things that um, she told me was that she had hired a coach who who told her things like, men love long hair, so grow your hair out, and, you know, wear sexy clothes, and do, you know, it was just such bad advice. So I just want you to know that it's not about, you know, having the right hairstyle and the sexiest clothes and changing yourself to suit somebody else. It's really about bringing out the most beautiful parts of yourself, um, the authentic parts of yourself, and shining a light on those things, especially the things that people told you you were too much of, those are your secret sauce, really. Um, you know, if somebody said you're too sensitive, sensitivity is your superpower, and you want to shine a light on that and not suppress it anymore. So um, those are just some of the things that I do in my coaching practice, and I'm sure we're going to be talking today with Kevin about a lot of these kinds of things. Um, so I believe that a woman of value is the one who attracts in her best partner, and um, every week I bring in the tip of who is a woman of value and what makes you a woman of value. And this week's tip is step number 30, which is adapt a positive mindset. Your mindset matters so much, and uh, you know when you can look at things in a positive way, you will change your life. And I, I'm reading the Book of Joy with the Dalai Lama and Desmond Tutu. It's a it's a beautiful, beautiful book if you haven't read it yet. And they talk about how you can have joy even when you have experienced incredible adversity, as they both have, and as most of us have. It's important to look at the the positive lesson in every difficult experience and really use it to better yourself and better the world. So when you have a positive mindset, you will change your thoughts and you will change your actions, which will change the trajectory of your life. 
So speaking of positive, um, my Facebook group, Your Last First Date, is a place where you can come for positive support. I do not allow man bashing in there. There's no like, what's wrong with everybody else? It's really about taking responsibility for your relationship journey and that's what I support you in. So it's a free group. The the group is one of the best out there, I have to say, even though it's mine. <clears throat> I'm gonna be a little unhumble right now. Um but I I just love the women here and there are over two thousand of them. So join us. It's called Your Last First Date. If you're a woman over forty and you want some support, come on over. And now I'm going to introduce Kevin Austin. He is a certified Master Peak Performance Coach. He's an NLP practitioner. For those of you who don't know what that is, that's neuro-linguistic programming, and I'm sure Kevin can tell us a little bit more of that. He's a master trainer, and he has an approach that effectively marries proven research with real-life application to help individuals and couples create stronger, long-lasting, successful relationships. He is going to share tips and strategies and insights that will enable you to develop a deeper understanding of who you are individually so you can be successful in a relationship. So join me now for episode number 290, How to Create Stronger, Longer Lasting, More Successful Relationships. Welcome to the show, Kevin. Hey, Sandy. How are you? I am great. The sun is out. I am happy. <laughs> I know. It's, it's out here, too, last week. You know, it snowed a lot here last week, and we were locked in in, in Charlotte, North Carolina, but it's beautiful out today. Mm, well, we had a really rainy day today, and um, but now the sky is clear and the sun is shining, and I'm in a good mood, so we're going to have a great show. <laughs> so um, tell us a little bit about the work you do and what what brought you to this work? You know, I, I'm to, to my heart, I'm a behavioralist. I, I believe that behavior tells the story. Um, for every behavior that a person exhibits, there's an event or there's something attached to the behavior. And when I started really getting into understanding this, uh, reading and studying and so forth, it really impacted my, my personal life and my professional life. Uh, really understanding, you know, not just what I was doing or what other people were doing, but really truly understanding why they were doing it. And uh, that Mm -hmm. helped me to develop a a really empathetic attitude, right? Because the way I look at it, Sandy, a person is not necessarily their behavior. Um, So when I'm working with someone or I'm interacting with someone, uh, I look at the behavior and that takes me away from looking at the person. So I don't develop any biases in reference to that person because I look at the behavior. Mm. Yeah, that there's so much truth to what you just said, and I I love it. I was just doing a whole thing with someone about um, anger, and um, mm, yeah. I forgot I was reading something that said instead of saying I am angry, say I am having angry feelings, because when right. you say I'm angry, you become the anger. Like it's almost like it's hard to separate from the feeling. And so we often think, you know, and it just happens in school all the time with kids, you know, he's lazy bum, he is a jerk, he's, you know, I I once worked with a teacher who called somebody slovenly because Mm. this kid had, he had a graphomotor issue, he didn't have good handwriting, and she she thought of him as slovenly, and I just said to her, you got to not label kids like that, that's just... Absolutely. Horrible. So this is we yeah. label ourselves also. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So you look at the behavior and you can separate out the behavior from the person. That's beautiful. Um, oh, yeah. And then framing. So, framing. I love, I love what you just said, if I may. What you just said was so important. The way we frame things. I'm, I'm very cautious regarding how I frame something because I know that the way I frame it, right, meaning the way that I look at it, the way that I'm perceiving it, that's going to have a profound impact on how I interact with that you know, situation, how I deal with it. So going into it with a positive frame set, a positive frame is so, so important. So I really love what you just said. Mm, thank you. So, um, and, I, and I like that you also talked about having an empathetic attitude. I think it's hard for us to have compassion when we don't understand people. And when we can understand where it originated, why they behave that way, we can have more compassion. Can you speak a little mm-hmm. bit to the difference between having empathy for somebody and condoning behavior? Yes, you know, empathy is really when you have a true understanding of what that person is going through. There's a true correlation in reference to, you know what, I may not know exactly what you're feeling or what you're thinking, but I can relate to it because I've been through something similar or I've dealt with similar situations. But condoning basically means that, you know, I'm I'm accepting it. I may not like it, but I'll tolerate it. I'll accept it. And, I, you know, with empathy, there's conversation, there's discussion, discussing it with just saying, well, you know what, I'm just going to accept this behavior, I'm going to condone it, accept it. Uh, there may not necessarily be any discussion about it or any kind of dialogue. And that's where it gets dangerous, you know, when, when there's something going on, especially in a relationship that one person is not comfortable with and the other person just basically accepts it because he or she doesn't want to rock the boat or create any type of, you know, ill feelings or anything like that, but you you have to really be empathetic and understand what that person is going through and really have a desire to want to talk about it and come up with solutions that would possibly resolve the situation. Mm. So a lot of people just want to keep the peace at any cost, and there's a big cost. There's a big cost to that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, So how, how do you help people actually have these conversations? Do you have a method for helping people to, to be able to talk, especially in tough times like this when you really have a real big misunderstanding? Oh, yeah. I'm an inside-out person, and, and, and what I mean by that is I like to go and, and really deal with the inside situation first. And I'll give you a true example. Um, there was a, a couple that I had the opportunity to work with. Uh, this was several years ago. And the reason why this is, I'm sharing this one is because this was kind of really when I first got really deeply into, into doing what I'm doing. And I remember I had, I had a workshop. Um, it was a couple's workshop, and the gentleman and he and his wife were supposed to come, and they didn't. So he called me a couple of weeks later and, you know, said, hey, man, I apologize for not making it to your workshop. And I said, it, it, it's okay, things happen. And then his next question was, you know, how do you know when it's time to let go? And uh, I kind of paused for a brief second, and, I, and we talked about it for about maybe 15 minutes, and I said, you know what, I think you and your wife may benefit from some coaching. So I said, won't you talk with her okay. and find out if she's willing to do it? And he got back with me a couple of weeks later and said she was willing. So I met them at their home, and I sat down, Sandy, and I, I looked them square in the eyes, and I said, okay, what do you want from these coaching sessions? And he immediately said, I want my marriage to work. And then I looked at her, and I said, okay what do you want from these, you know, from these coaching sessions? And it, it took her about 15 seconds to respond. She kind of sat there and 
We waited. And finally she said, well, I want my marriage to work. So then I said to them, I said, I said, well, I'm not here to make your marriage work. And they both, I mean, their eyes got as big as like a sauce. And I said, well, let me explain why I'm here. I looked at him. I said, I'm here to help you get a better understanding of who you are and why you do the things you do. And I looked at her and I said, and I'm here to help you get a better understanding of who you are and why you do the things you do. And I said, in the process of us doing those things, you will both begin to learn more about each other and yourselves, which will begin to heal your marriage. And, um, you know, that really set the tone, right, framing it that way for those coaching sessions. And I'm very excited to say that it's a couple of years later. Are you okay, Sandy? I'm okay. Sorry. I'm just, just a little choking. I'm, I'm listening. Oh, okay. Okay. And, um, but I'm, I'm very, very glad to say that, um, you know, uh, it's been a couple of years and, and they're still together going strong. And they've actually added another addition to the family. They had a son uh, about a year ago. So <laughs> I'm not saying that's because of the wow. coaching sessions, but, <laughs> you know, apparently, you know, they, they were able to work some things out because they both took responsibility for their behavior. I love it. Yeah. That's the key word here, responsibility. So a lot of people want yeah. that magic they want that magic pill. It's just tell me what to do to make the marriage work, but you have to understand what goes underneath the, the whole situation, what happened first to be able to Absolutely. make it work. <clears throat> yeah, that's it's a I love your approach. Um, so a lot of people have trouble forgiving. Like they get to that place and mm-hmm. they're they're ready to give up the marriage or the relationship and and they just hold on to this anger and they can't forgive. So why, why do you yeah. think it's so difficult for people to forgive? You know, forgiveness takes work. You know, forgiveness is not some mystical, magical thing. Um, it, it takes actual work to forgive. And I think that's one of the most challenging pieces. I think in a lot of situations, you know, people think that, well, you know, I, I – Forgiveness is easy, but it's not. I mean, it takes a tremendous amount of work to forgive because forgiveness is a conscious act. And a lot of the times, you know, when, I, when I'm framing and I'm setting, uh, when I'm working with individuals, I, I use the term consciousness and subconsciousness a lot. And the thing that we've got to understand is that 90 to 95% of what we do is subconscious. And five, you know, 10 to 5% is, is, is conscious, meaning that 5 to 10% of what we do, we're actually thinking about it. Whereas 90 to 95% is just, it's habitual. It's, we're subconsciously competent regarding how we deal with things. So being able to forgive, that's a conscious act that takes will. It takes work. It takes, you have to want to do it. You have to remind yourself to do it. You have to tell yourself to do it. And the, the bottom line, Sandy, is a lot of people are not willing to put in the type of work that is necessary to forgive, right? The, the thought is, well, I'll just go to this next relationship without realizing that you're taking the same stuff with you from this relationship into the next relationship. So mm-hmm. I think one of the main reasons why it's so difficult for individuals to forgive is because of the amount of work and effort that it takes. So I hear that, and I, I just want to get a little deeper on this because, People are going to hear work, work, work. What, what the hell is this work that I have to do? Um, mm-hmm. So can you tell us a little bit more about what that work entails? Absolutely. So 
there are three periods of development that we go through, right, I, and, and, and which constitutes the first 21 years of our lives. Unfortunately, most people, 20, 30, 40, 50, are still making decisions based upon the tools and strategies they learned during these first 21 years, right? So the first period is called imprint, which is from the time we're born up until we're seven. During the imprint stages, we're learning subconsciously. You know, you put a child in an environment, they pick up on everything because they're, they're, there's no filter. There's no consciousness. Children, uh, from the time they're born up until they're seven, they don't understand right or wrong. They're just basically absorbing everything. So if you're in an environment where you're learning and the environment is a great environment and the principles and concepts you're learning are great principles and concepts, then that's what you're learning as a child. If you're in an environment where you're being exposed to constant bickering and arguing or, you know, there's just things that are constantly going wrong, that's what you're absorbing. So from one to seven, we're in that imprint stage. We're just absorbing everything. And then we go into what's called the modeling stage, right, the modeling period, which is from 8 to 13. What happens at that point is now we have a conscious awareness. We, we understand right from wrong, but what we're doing is we're actually building on what we learned during the first seven years. So if you watch 8 to 13-year-olds, they always form little cliques, and they always migrate towards other little people that think and act just like them. And what they're actually doing, Sandy, is they're reinforcing what they've learned during the first seven years. So then we go from uh, modeling into socialization, 14 to 21. Those are the years where relationships are extremely important. And we're basing relationships, guess what, on the things that we learned during the first 13 years. So now we're adults and we're in a relationship, right? We've experienced all these different events, and I, I may think differently from, from my partner. And what ends up happening is when two people come together, they don't factor in the fact that, well, okay, I might have met you right now and you're 25 and I'm 25, but I'm not meeting you at 25. I'm actually meeting you and I'm, I'm getting into a relationship with all 25 years of you. So if I'm looking at something different, if I came up in an environment where, you know, bills were always paid on time and I, it was just instilled in me, it doesn't matter when a bill is due, you pay your bill. But then my partner came up and, you know, my, my, came up in an environment where it's like, okay, well, you know what? I grew up in an environment where even though the due date is this date, I still have a grace period, but if I have something else I need to do, I could just do that and just pay the bill before the due date. Something seemingly that simple creates such a, a, a situation in the relationship because one person, their thinking and behavior is, no, we need to pay this bill on time now. No, we can wait. We need to pay this because we have a grace period. So then the person says, well, I'm going to go pay the bill, and they pay the bill, and now there's no money to do something else, and there's arguing and bickering going on about the finances. Well, number one, there has to be a level of understanding that, okay, I'm looking at finances differently than you're looking at finances. And here's the work that comes in. The work is understanding that, okay, I, I, I get it. You see it differently than I see it, okay? And then I'm going to have to be willing to say, okay, you know, let's talk about this. Let's come, up with a, let's come up with a solution that would be the best solution because naturally or subconsciously, I'm going to want to do it my way because that's what makes me comfortable. My partner's going to want to do it that way because that's what makes her comfortable. So the work means that we have to override the subconscious part of it where this is what I'm, what I'm used to, this is what I'm accustomed to, this is how I've always done it, 
and realize that, well, I may have to tweak this so that we could find a happy medium. So the work is being willing to be flexible, being willing to say, you know what, I wouldn't have done it that way, but I forgive you and let's move past this, meaning that six months from now something else comes up, I'm not going to throw this back in your face because it's so easy to do that. So when I say work, I mean really understanding that my behavior and your behavior, it may not always be the exact same behavior, but I've got to be flexible and be willing to, to incorporate how you view things and how, you know, how maybe we need to sit down mm-hmm. and talk about how we do this. So thank you for explaining all the different stages and, and what the work entails. And I see this as like, okay, you're in a relationship and you want to forgive while you're in that relationship. But let's say you have left a relationship, you're divorced and mm-hmm. you're holding on to anger, or you have a parent who yeah. was abusive in some way and you're still holding on to anger. Can you still apply what you just said to that situation, those that, situations? Absolutely. Absolutely. I look at it like, like we're thermostats, right? So the purpose of the thermostat is to set the temperature. So I'm in a relationship. I'm, I'm, you know, my thermostat is set at 70. I'm comfortable at 70. But if that temperature changes and goes to 71 or higher or 69 or lower, my thermostat's going to kick in to put it back to the temperature that I'm comfortable at. So in a situation where I'm in a relationship and I'm at 70 and then something happens and it changes the temperature, I can do one of two things. I can say, okay, I'm not going to tuck in. I'm not going to run. I'm not going to try to go somewhere else. I'm going to work this out. But in most cases what happens is, you know what, this temperature doesn't feel right. The temperature, it feels good over here. I take this stuff and I go to the next relationship and it's at 70. But then guess what? Something happens, the temperature changes, and then I jump to the next relationship. The point I'm making is, is that I believe that all relationships can be successful. Every relationship can be successful. It doesn't matter as long as both parties are willing to put in the work that's necessary or put in what's needed. But even if that relationship, if the individuals choose not to save it, they choose to move on and, and go different directions, that's, that's a choice. The key is don't take the stuff with you from that relationship into the next one and understanding why I'm reacting to a particular situation, understanding what the triggers are that causes me to react this way to a situation and really remedying those triggers, that will help me if I choose to move on. It will help me move on with a clean slate so that I won't hold the next person accountable for what happened in the previous relationship. So really having an understanding of yourself, you know, why is this uncomfortable? You know, what has happened in my life? What event has happened in my life that's creating a situation where I'm looking at the situation this way? You know, why is my current state like this? You know, why, why do I feel this way about the situation? Asking yourselves those very deep, intimate questions and then sitting down and allowing the answers to come, it could save a multitude of, of, of trouble and, and pain and heartache going, you know, into the next situation or even fixing and repairing the current situation or current relationship that you're in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, you know, there's so much wisdom in what you just shared. I think that people tend to date thinking that one little behavior of the next person is completely, you know, right, they write somebody off because they notice a little bit of a similarity um, to their ex. And I had a client this morning talking about, um, she said, I'll never date an introvert. 
again. And I said, why not? She said, well, the last introvert I dated was really socially um, shut down, and he was a recluse. And I'm saying, so you don't want to date a recluse. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> um, you know, making these broad statements that, uh, you know, an introvert, I said, I'm an introvert. You know, we get along. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. it's right. not, you, not every introvert is a recluse. You know, this is something specific about his personality that didn't work for you. But when you make these bold, broad statements, we negate so yeah. many wonderful people who could be a potential partner. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So um, you talk about the three P's to a successful relationship. I'm not sure if we've already gone through some of them, but if we haven't, then I'd love to hear what those are. Yeah, absolutely. Planning, praying, and playing. <laughs> Those are the three okay. Ps. Uh, you know, planning. You, you've got to plan. Uh, you know, it's interesting how um, in, in so many young relationships, there, there's really no planning in reference to what the next six months, 12 months, the next two, three, five, seven years may look like. So you've got to plan. You've got to, you know, plan your work, work your plan. You've got to sit down and discuss your finances. You know, where are we now? Where do we want to be? You've got to discuss you know, are we looking at purchasing a home in the next 12 months or whatnot? You've got to plan. Are we, are we looking at having children? Or if you come into a situation where one person has a child or children, are you looking at having additional children? The point is you've got to sit down and really discuss these things, and you've got to plan. You've got to have a, a blueprint regarding what it looks like. And can you plan for every single thing? No, you can't. But at least if you have a plan for a lot of things, it, it will help. Uh, you know, get through a lot of difficult challenges. And then, you know, the praying part, I, I, I believe that prayer is important. You know, when you say you want something, then you, you, you want it and you, you do the right things. You, you incorporate the right behaviors. You incorporate the right language, right? You incorporate all the necessary things that it's going to take to bring those things into fruition. You can't just plan and just sit back and twiddle your thumbs and think it's going to happen. No, it's going to take some stuff you've got to do, and then playing. You've got to have, you know, you got to, the same things you do to get the person, you've got to do, and that's an old adage, you've got to do to keep the person. You know, have date night. You know, go out uh, every Friday or something or do something every Friday. Um, if you have children, you know, find a sitter. Uh, but you, you've got to have these three Ps because if one of those Ps are missing, then that can create um, some, somewhat of a situation in the relationship. So, yep, playing, praying, and and uh, planning, praying, and playing, those three Ps are extremely important. Cool. Okay. That's easy to remember. <laughs> um, <laughs> so um, what do you think is the number one reason that relationships fail? And we've talked about, you know, the whole responsibility piece, that people don't take responsibility. Yeah. They're still kind of stuck in their first 21 years stage. What What yeah. is the number one reason? I would – I. Unforgiveness, you know, in in a lot of the situations that I've worked with, it, it's been unforgiveness, um, not uh-huh. forgiving the person for something that the person did. Um, in some cases, not forgiving yourself for something you did. But it's important that unforgiveness is is incorporated because, you know, if I've done something in the relationship that offended you, and 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 I come to you and I say, hey, you know what, um, Sandy, I apologize. I, I I'm sorry, and I, I really mean it. And, you know, there should be forgiveness there. But if you're holding that over my head and, and you know, every time something happens, you know, you throw that at me, that, that's going to be a situation. So it's that, it's that unforgiveness. But looking, at, uh, looking back again, it's behavior. And it's important that individuals in a relationship understand that, you know what, 
I need to take full responsibility for what I do. I can't take responsibility for her. I can't take responsibility for him. I can only be responsible for what I do. And in a lot of situations, right, what happens is I'm looking at you to make the changes because my thinking is I'm not the challenge, you're the challenge, and you're thinking, well, no, I'm not the challenge, you're the challenge. But really, we're the challenge because we need to change the way that we're looking at a situation. And when we're both willing to do that internally and, and become accountable for what we say and what we do, what we don't say, what we don't do, that helps the situation. That also helps healing. That helps forgiveness because, you know, you may have experienced something when you were 13 and here we are in a relationship and we're 36 and I do something and immediately it reminds you of that situation because the key here, Sandy, is, is that the subconscious mind does not differentiate between people, places, or things. So if I experienced an event that to me was a traumatic event or challenging event when I'm 10 and then I'm in a relationship at 36 or 40 and that same situation or something similar to it happens, guess what's going to happen? I'm going to reflect back to that and my subconscious mind is not going to say, oh, you were 10 and it was a different person. All it's going to mm-hmm. say is, is that, hey, that was pain, that hurt, and I'm going to be feeling that in real time. And that's why I have to consciously go, well, stop, wait a minute. That happened when I was 10. Okay, I got it. I'm 36 now. This person is a different person. And that's, mm-hmm. what, and that's a part of that work, right, being mentally, consciously aware so that we can modify and change those behaviors. Mm. Triggers. The triggers from our past. Absolutely. We really have to work yeah. on those. Yeah. Yes. So important. Um, well, this is this has been really enlightening, Kevin. Thank you so much for all of the wisdom you shared today. And tell our audience how they can find you. Yes, it's been great, Sandy. Um, so uh, you can go to www.theroadtosuccessacademy.com. That's www.theroadtosuccessacademy.com. And what you will find there, they're actually, uh, it's an online academy. And what we've done is we've created an online academy so that if you want to go, you can actually go uh, get the product. One is called the Inside Out Couples Intensive, the Psychology of Success. And then the second product for individuals who are not in a relationship is called the Inside Out Intensive. And you see both of those. Um, You're looking at anywhere from about four to four and a half hours of, of audio and visual content, and it comes with a workbook, it comes with exercises, and it's actually the workshop that we do here, like the couples workshop and so forth. We do that full day, half day workshop. It's all of that information. Um, the uh, the three modules, the uh, the uh, the blueprint, the gatekeeper, and then the companion inside, and it's wonderful. So the first two modules are internal, the last one is external, and the beautiful thing about it, Sandy, is that you can log on. And you can go through the program at your convenience in the privacy of your own home because what we find is that a lot of couples are silently suffering. They're going through changes. They may look like they're in great health and great, you know, the relationship looks good on the outside, but internally there's a lot of stuff going on. So this gives you the opportunity to really uh, get more in depth with the information that we're talking about now. Um, And you can do it at your own convenience on your smartphones, tablets, smart TVs. Um, You don't have to download anything. You just log in. And um, you can log in whenever you want to and, and go, through the, go through the program. Again, it's the, uh, the, road, uh, the, road, the um, 
RoadToSuccessAcademy.com. And from there, you can go to my website, www.klalton.com, if you want to know more about what I do and more and any other products or programs that we have available. Thank you. Well, I'll put that in the show notes when I post the blog so people can see all awesome. this information. And thank, thank you, you again and uh, for doing this beautiful work in the world. Thank you. Thank you, everybody, for listening today, and I hope you all go on your last first date very soon. Have a great day. Bye.